Welcome to the Law of Startups podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us today. We're lucky to have in the studio with us, uh, Mr. Kevin O'Keefe, uh, founder and CEO of LexBlock. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Mike. Hey, Kevin, for the folks out there in the world who haven't heard of LexBlock, tell us, tell us what it is. Um, there had to be a better way for business people to be able to uh, build relationships and build a name so as to build their book of business. And so <clears throat> LexBlog blossomed when uh, the vehicle of a blog uh, enabled people to do that. Uh, this was long before we had the term social media or content marketing and whatnot. So it was <clears throat> very legitimate uh, conversation, listening to what people were writing, uh, responding to it, interacting, and by virtue of that, you built a name. And so I saw an opportunity <clears throat> to do something that was more professional than uh, some of the free blog solutions, something that would made uh, professionals, primarily lawyers, feel very comfortable that ranged from you know strategy, coaching, design, development, uh, search engine optimization, free ongoing support. You know, so the company's uh, 14 years old, um, been successful in uh, <clears throat> having organizations uh, around the world to use us, you know, in addition to the law. Uh, there's been, uh, you know, engineers, technology companies, marketing companies, accounting, financial, you know, you name it. Um, the internet's just too good a thing not to use, and most companies don't know how to use it. Right. So, so you started with the focus on the on the legal piece. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's been it. It's been good. I mean, I think <clears throat> for any business person, you know, I think focusing on a niche is a good idea, you know, so, you know, put yourself back in 2000 and three, <clears throat> nobody had really heard of the term blog, um, but I decided that blogs were perfect um, for marketing or building a name, building relationships. And then I said, well, I'm from the law, so this should be used for lawyers. Now, when I started that, <clears throat> people saw that I was writing on blogs for lawyers. They said they thought that was very interesting, but what was I going to write on next week? And at the same time, you know, I just got through finishing Guy Kawasaki's book, Art of the Start. <clears throat> When I went back and looked a couple of years ago, I thought there must have been half the book on niches. There was actually one sentence on niches, but it drove home the point to me that a niche was worth its weight in gold, um, that uh, niches open doors to many opportunities because you establish uh, reputation and relationships. Yeah. So the, the gist of the <clears throat> idea is, um, and I've experienced this myself um, from blogging as a lawyer, but I mean, you you write about something, then inevitably, inevitably people find what you've written. And then if you if you're, they'll call you, they'll call you and they'll want to hire you to do stuff. Yeah. And you can be very targeted. I think, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of technology companies from the standpoint that, you know, I travel a lot. I'm at conferences speaking, I'm hanging out um, with companies, mostly are tech based. And most of them don't know how to, to get work or to network. Um, so they do these great products and they don't get feedback from the outside world other than they're trying to push it out through PR people and marketing people. They go to conferences and spend thousands of dollars. So they don't get feedback on what's good and bad about their product. The other thing is they don't generate any capital. So they're, I'm a big believer that you'll find out how good your product is by other people taking money out of their pocket and putting it in yours and they'll tell you how to improve it. <clears throat> in addition, you, you can also hone your product based on how much you're bringing in, not how, how much capital uh, you're raising. But the problem people have is they don't know how to connect. 
So for technology companies, they are sh they should be making a list of the 20 major influencers in their space. You know, who are the publishers? Who are the bloggers? Which are the companies? You know, if they want to do a strategic partnership with a large company, are they following that company and what they're writing? Are they following their Twitter handle? <clears throat> you know, are they getting to those people face to face? If I want to talk to a large company about a strategic partnership, you know, I'll follow what they're writing. I'll reference it. They'll see me. They'll respond. Um, we'll have dinner in New York City. That that all will happen in a three week period, where other people are sitting there talking about you know how they're going to get seen. So it's more than just writing and getting discovered. It's being very strategic. Um, you know, so for tech people, for example, in the legal field, you know, you know, I'm going to build a legal technology network, and you know, what's that going to be? I want the technologists to talk about what they're working on because, by and large, I don't. When I ask them, I say, "Is there anything so secret that you wouldn't tell the world what you're developing?" No. And you're running into problems as you do it. Yes. And you're solving those problems. Yes. What would it be like to be networked <clears throat> with people because you're talking about that? What would it be like for other companies to see what you're doing, um, other developers to see what you're doing? If it's other developers and companies that are going to be buying your product, wouldn't you like them to be thinking more of you because you're out doing this? <clears throat> and so I think, you know, we can cause that to happen. Um, but they need to realize that they need to be out there talking um, and, and sharing, you know, on a publication and getting seen. Yeah, Mike. So in your in your uh, in your business, what have you, what, what have you in your meditation business? What have you have you done anything along these lines? Well, so I've got a uh, my my business partner in the in the meditation apps is is a guy named Andrew Johnson. He's the he's sort of the content and the voice of the apps. Um, so I, I handle the business side of things and and create the apps. He provides the 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 meditation material. Um, he's kind of the meditation expert, and he's got a great voice. Um, so he, fortunately, like his, his side of the business is sort of holding court in social media. So he, um, he posts on Twitter frequently. He has a huge following on Facebook and we kind of use that as our, as our, uh, our way of communicating with right. the audience. I'm curious to know, uh, what Kevin thinks about Facebook and, and what it's done to blogs. One of the things we had happen early on. So, so, so to give you a little background, I, I make mobile apps. Um, yep. I started making mobile apps back when the app iPhone app store was first launched. And so one of the things we realized kind of early on was, um, you know, so there, there are certain actions we could get the user to take within the app that would give us some information about them. So we, we kind of had a, a support page where they could, you know, send us feedback or subscribe to a newsletter or, um, you know, go uh, visit our website, you know, so, or, or tweet about us. And so we didn't want to put too many options there. And for a while there, we were saying like the best thing we can ask for is, um, the user to subscribe to our newsletter because if they, if they give us our email address, then we know who they are and we can communicate with them through email. And, and, and over, over the years we've developed kind of a massive email list, which is, which has really been a huge part of our success. Cause whenever we put out a new app, we hit the email list, everybody goes on the app store and buys it. And then the app shoots up into the rankings. Um, anyway, so, so this is a long way of saying eventually Facebook comes around, comes along and we decide, wow, we should really be driving people to Facebook. Facebook is way better than email because people don't think it's spam when you post things on Facebook. So our, our goal, uh, a couple of years in, we shifted from trying to get people to sign up for our newsletter to getting them to sign up, uh, to, to like us on Facebook. Um, so we, we, you know, we developed a big list of people that like us on Facebook. Great thing about that is you can, you can post things to Facebook all day long and people see them and they don't think you're spamming them because they're showing up in a channel where they've kind of requested to see that sort of thing. Um, and so that was all really great. And then Facebook goes and changes their model. Yeah. Now, now in order to reach the people that have liked us on Facebook, we have to pay Facebook if we want to, if we want to actually get a message out to everyone. And so that turned out to be kind of a misstep because we, we you know, we, 
we we shifted toward letting other people we we started posting our content on a platform that we don't control um and and that's terrible because all of a sudden people can charge you for access to your own uh, to your own audience and so i'm wondering how you, how you feel about that i mean is that a i assume that's a good reason to have your own blog and maybe host it someplace that you can control what do you think yeah i mean it, social it, media yeah, is, I mean, is a just, good place to be i mean just this morning you know, i'm trying to think of who it was it was mike isaac from the new york times and uh, uh, I can't think of the other uh, gentleman from uh, Toronto that I think is at Neiman now. And, uh, uh, and we made the point, a lot of businesses, you know, made their bed by going with Facebook and Google and for, for publishing and networking. Um, and they're hurting, you know, so, you know, I have two good friends that, you know, made <clears throat> between half a million, a million dollars a year, you know, from publishing um, through Google ads, um, you know, and Amazon credits. Um, but that all went away and when Google changed the way they ran. Google didn't. <clears throat> Google started to look at the links that were being generated from the outside. And they didn't value them as much as they did in the past. So all that went away. Now you've got Facebook, <clears throat> which is a fabulous tool for building a name and, uh, you know, networking, building relationships, um, you know, where companies went out and, uh, you know, built a name. And you, you look at, I mean, look at a company like Mashable. I mean, that was worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars not that long ago. You know, now they're trying to sell it for $50 million. You have <clears throat> Huffington Post, same type of thing uh, has happened. Um, those companies are going to get going to get slammed and now they're at the higher end they're not where you or i are <clears throat> but it does go to show you that that you want to own where you publish and uh, uh understand that that publishing is just one component of it so i don't look at it as a either or and i don't think you do too between facebook and my blog <clears throat> because i'm not in it for the content and i'm not in it for the traffic i haven't looked at my stats on my blog probably five years I used to say four, but it's probably five because I just don't give a darn. I don't. I don't care. Before that, did you look at them compulsively? Well, I think <laughs> when you first start, you do. Yeah. You know, you, somehow, you know, is anybody listening? Yeah. Um, type of thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, the but the reason is is that it's it's much more strategic in approach. You know, Facebook is critical now. For, <clears throat> I I think for a small company today or startups, they're going to have to go with their with their principles. They're not going to go with a company page because it's like pushing a rock up a hill to try to build likes around a company. And all of social media primarily, you know, today is running with trust and individuals and relationships. So if I want to uh, communicate with head of uh, Bloomberg Law, it would be Facebook Messenger. If I want to communicate with the head of business development and marketing for Jones Day, you know, one of the largest firms in the country, in the world, it would be Facebook Messenger because I have that relationship and exchanging both professional and personal things on Facebook. <clears throat> at the same time, if somebody wants to look at, you know, uh, the gravitas, you know, that I've basically written a book or published something, it, it's over on my, over on my blog. <clears throat> and if somebody's going to look somebody up, there really isn't a good way to do it. So for even for a startup, you know, if I'm going to be finding out something about that startup, <clears throat> the first thing I do is I look at the about page and who are the people. And then the next thing I do is I'm, I'm looking up their name and who they are. And then what do I want to see? Um, <clears throat> oftentimes, I don't see a lot. 
if I imagine I've been referred to them to look to, at them for something. Now, if they publish, if they're providing insight and commentary on a story, that is a big deal because it tells me that they stay up to speed in their industry. They offer insight and commentary on it. Other people probably listen to them. You know, I can tell that they're well-spoken. I can tell a little bit about their personality and I can find that. <clears throat> Facebook is good, but it's going to come in later. You know, I'm not going to reach out and, and start to engage somebody on Facebook that I you know, unless they're doing a lot that's offering me a value. So I, you know, I think you got to have your own place. And I, I think that's really coming to roost now. <clears throat> These other things become, you know, mediums. Uh, you know, I, I kind of call it, you know, taking your blog on the road. You know, you, you take it over to Facebook, you put the entire post in, in your personal <clears throat> uh, Facebook, and you might get, you know, 18, 35 comments. Um, you're not going to get that on your blog, but you're going to get that over there. And it isn't that you have to be part of that. You just you just set something up and everybody goes to town talking with each other. They appreciate the fact who, who started that. Um, you're also helping Facebook understand who you are, what your interests are and whatnot. <clears throat> They're going to suggest that other people, um, you know, befriend you and, and likewise. So you're doing the same thing over at LinkedIn too, um, because at LinkedIn, as you connect with more and more people, it's going to know who you are, where you're located, what your interests are, where their interests are, all those type of things. You take a, a snippet from your post and put it over there, same thing, 18 to 30 likes, comments, etc. All that engagement takes place. And then the key is for you to look at the people in there that you'd like to meet. So if I'm a startup and I and I shared you know, a blog post that I wrote as the CEO or founder of the company because I have the most passion about it. Um, and I share that at LinkedIn with a link and a little teaser, then people are going to like it. And then it's up to me to look at it and say, wow, um, <clears throat> you know, if I'm looking to get funding, there's a VC that liked it. If there's a CEO of a strategic uh, partner, you know, there's an opportunity to reach out and meet them. Long answer, Mike, but uh, you, you kind of need that that home base, and it's really coming home to roost right now. Yeah, I, I heard that. I, I like the idea. You know, you seem like you've given a lot of thought to blog strategy and you know how to how to interact on social media. I like what you said about um, a lot. A lot of people look at social media and blog posts as a way to just kind of post what's happening in their company. It's sort of a one way out output. Um, I like what you what you said in terms of like. Uh, uh, identifying who in the community you would like to interact with and then responding to things that they've written on your own blog or your own social media as a way to kind of make them aware that, that you exist and, and are part of the conversation. Uh, tell me more about that. That sounds like a really interesting strategy well, it, um, to, it, to sort of focus in on a particular person or company that you're trying to reach. Yeah, it was never, you know, blogs were conversations. <clears throat> and what, what happened were that marketing and public relations people started to realize they were going to be out of a job. And so they, in my opinion, they invented this term, you know, they pulled in the term content marketing and social media and then called themselves experts, even though they were experts at nothing. Um, and so it got bastardized, you know, and, and you got a bunch of people running around following these people doing, in my opinion, crazy things that don't work. <clears throat> Think of it, it. It's networking. That's all it is. You know, so if, if you were going to go to a networking event um, before the Internet, you, you went, you put on the name badge. And for many of us, you were hoping to get the hell out of there as soon as you could and get home. Um, cause you didn't know anybody and maybe you'd have the good luck that you knew somebody and you start to, to talk with them, you know, <clears throat> you know, you guys are probably better than me at it. Um, where you might, they might introduce you to somebody else and it goes from there, but it's tough and you don't know who these people are. They don't have their history, um, on their sleeve. Now imagine <clears throat> that you're going to network and you create the room. 
You want to have 50 people that are the movers and shakers from the entire world <clears throat> that are most interested in what you do or that you're most interested in learning from them, hanging out with them. So what you do is you create a list of them. So, you know, if I'm a tech now, if I'm a legal tech company, who are the other movers and shakers that I can learn from in this field that I, I've been following them and they're really cool and they're doing stuff? <clears throat> well, I go into an application like Feedly and I put the names of their companies. And if they ever come up or mention in an influential uh, source, I'll see it. I, I, I look and see if they, they publish on, on blogs. And uh, <clears throat> rightfully so, you don't broadcast about yourself because nobody wants to hear you in the networking room with a bullhorn shouting about yourself. It is, it's, <clears throat> it's embarrassing. People will remember you from all the wrong reasons. Then you, then you look at the associations. What are the associations um, that you know, your audience might be members of? And you make a list of them. They all publish and, and share. Okay, so now you got them in. What are the magic words um, um, in the industry? You know, is it a particular type of product, a particular type of software, whatever it might be? You put that in Feedly uh, too. So now you've got this thing that you can open Feedly in with folders or all in one folder, which is giving you subjects that you want to listen to. If anybody is using those, it's influential. And you also got sources, sources, companies, sources, publishers, sources, uh, associations, sources, blogs, and you listen. And so a blog post is, is referencing what you've read and providing your take. And the party that you referenced will see you. They can't but see you. You know, and the reason that that's true, <clears throat> it used to be that the technology automatically gave them a ping back and they would see that you referenced some of your blog. The Internet got a little bit more crowded. So now what you have to do is you use Twitter. And so you share the posts that you did, give a little hat tip with a H slash T to their name and they see it. They get an email and they get a tweet notice that you mentioned them and they'll look at it. They'll be intrigued. Um, you share that on LinkedIn. You might put their name in, in that little LinkedIn uh, share. You share that on Facebook. You're giving them a lot of love. And in addition to that, that's the blog. You know, I, I spend time on Twitter by sharing what I'm reading, but I make sure I give an attribute to the subject of the post and the source. So if it's about a particular company or association, their name is going in with their Twitter handle, and then the source would be the reporter, and their name is going in. So the New York Times reporter likes the fact I shared it. The name of the company likes the fact that the New York Times reporter saw it, <clears throat> and that's how I meet people. So you can meet people all day long as long as you're using these things right. Yeah. So what, speaking of, I mean, um, I mean, this is one of the things we, you tech companies, I mean, this is sort of an old saying, but yeah, the, the saying is, Hey, if you're a tech company, be careful if you're going to build your thing on somebody else's platform in case they you know, change, change, change the rules. <laughs> and so that's, that's an old thing. And then when we're talking about, uh, you know, writing and, and, uh, I mean, what do you think about Medium, for example? What, what's your take on Medium? Medium seems to be, Mike, and I don't know how you feel about Medium. I'd like, like to hear your reactions to it. You know, it's it's a good <clears throat> publishing platform and that it, it performs well as a publishing um, platform. <clears throat> but I, I think when you're using something, you want to make sure that their business model and your business model is in alignment. Okay. So, Ev Williams' <clears throat> business model right now, until it changes, is, is two things. One, a tip jar. Pay $5 um, to get you know, more premium uh, offerings, and we're not sure what that is. And two... <clears throat> you, do you, pay, you, don't pay, you don't pay the five bucks? I don't use it. Okay. Um, I see the people's stuff anyway. Um, yep. And then the second thing is, is he, he's built a, a, a platform 
for a major publisher to be able to make their offerings through subscriptions. So if the New Yorker came to him and said, hey, we don't have the technology team that you have, Ab. You got a great technology team. You can collect the subscriptions. We get them. But the, our offering is only subscription-based. So you got two business models. <clears throat> so do you fall within there? I mean, if you're a, if you're a tech startup, you're certainly not publishing for purposes of selling subscriptions. <clears throat> so then you're basically saying, okay, is there something about the tip jar that makes this worthwhile for me? Um, you know, some people, you know, when we've had discussions about it, have said, well, I get seen by different people there and whatnot. You know, I don't know. I I, I question how much the company is continuing to be funded, other than to stay alive. Um, so, how innovative are they really going to be? WordPress is being used by uh, about 70% of the content management solution, you know, people using a content management solution, 70%. There's a reason for that, and it's come from nothing. Um, uh, In my opinion, it's a better solution. It's more flexible. You own it. You control it. I remember a long time ago us arguing about WordPress. Yeah, I would. I I I thought it was – I I was a record saying, hey, it was a little bit immature uh, tech community because there weren't that many engineers and they were using PHP referral. And I was concerned about security. You know, uh, Matt Mullenweg, who, you know, co-founder, used to beat on me in my comments uh, about that. You know, now I worship at his altar. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, the people that were talking to me about open source that I couldn't fully understand. Now I understand. I mean, how can you <clears throat> build something that's, you know, in a proprietary way where you have hundreds of thousands of people working on this? On the latest um, upgrade for WordPress, <clears throat> um, there are 400 and some contributors that actually impacted that. Right. They're reengineering their whole platform on, on Gutenberg, and I think it's going to be pretty cool as far as the interface and, and then what you can do from a developer standpoint. Um, so, you know, Medium is okay, so, but the question I have is what what you get out of it that you wouldn't get out of your own uh, publishing platform? Yeah, so, 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 what do you do more of, write or run? <laughs> uh, you're writing more than you're writing these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm slow and uh, so about, like, oh, about 30 to 40 minutes a day, well, sometimes an hour. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, so I had this theory. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you share this theory or not, but I had this theory that like if you I, – I, 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 I like to run and I kind of fell out of the habit. But for a while, I was pretty diligent at running. And then it felt like during those time periods where I was really diligent about running three or four days a week, it felt like I was more diligent about writing too it seemed like there was a correlation well you, there. well you think you know so you get you go through your thing in fact i was thinking about when i was out running this morning i was yeah. thinking about you know i should really give a kind of wrap up for this year this will be the first year which i didn't miss a day you know and i'm of running yeah and of I'm writing. Like, well, I, I wish it was writing it was running I, i'm trying to get to a thousand days uh of running without missing wow uh, you know but that was going to take a whole nother year yeah yeah <laughs> but but you know i i think the more you I do believe when I used to run marathons, I was much more productive as a lawyer and uh, uh, getting more done, um, you know, pounding on more people as a plaintiff's lawyer. Um, it, it is, it's a good way to clear the mind um, and to formulate ideas. Right. So, what, you know. Well, it's hard to, so if you're, yeah, so I, I, I like the idea of, I mean, I think that 
the general, I think generally what your advice is, Hey, look, you need a, you need sort of a home base on the internet, uh, a, a WordPress blog or something of this nature. And then, yeah, sure. You should use all the other channels you could possibly imagine to, to, to get, get involved you, in the right conversation. You need a presence, you know, and, and that doesn't mean it's a blog. I'm just using that as a very broad term. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm arguing with the American Bar Association, uh, tech show. And I say, you know, it's great. You guys are a tech show. You think you're the be all and end all. You have zero internet presence. You have none. You have no internet presence. You know, they have a website. So what? Everybody and their brother has a website. <clears throat> when people are asking questions about what's going on with the show, all their board members don't participate in in Twitter. None. So you so can't how, figure out how, how, figure how, out what's going on at the show unless you go to the show. Yeah. Well, yeah, or or just or just you know what's going on. What should you know? Hey, there's uh, twenty of us here that thought we were going to help in some fashion, but we can never get accepted to speak. What does it take? You know. And then they're the man behind the curtain and they don't want to talk. And so you have no presence. Even Google years ago, when they got hit with some privacy issues and their stock declined, <clears throat> back then they held a press conference. And so press conferences don't work. You have an online presence. So for tech companies, <clears throat> lawyers, et cetera, you just have to have an Internet presence. You have to figure out what it, that means yeah. for you. I think the, I think the, uh, the press conference, yeah, probably doesn't work today. But you could call a conference call. And you invite everyone to listen to the conference call. Well, if you're Google, you're good. Yeah. And, and Amazon. Yeah, but I've, I've actually seen I've actually seen just individuals pull this off. You call it, you 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 have a conference call, and you invite everyone in the world to come and hear the supporting conference call. And then, of course, you save the content you put on your website or whatever. But I mean, it's a little more urgent than listening to a podcast. I mean, yeah. podcasts. I mean that. I mean, I think, Mike, I appreciate your thoughts on this. It seems like podcasts are people kind of think of them as, hey, you know, it's kind of like the radio, and I'm in the mood to listen to the radio. I'll dial it in, but there's no real sense of urgency with the podcast. Whereas if you declare you're having a conference call, you know, call, this is a big deal. This is important breaking, you know. <laughs> I remember <tools>. that. <laughs> well, I mean, we, you know, we could, we, we could try and offer fun sometimes to experiment. I mean, you never know. You never know. I, I know. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I was, I was, I was going to change gears a little bit. I think that makes, I think that makes sense to me. Like there's nothing urgent about podcasts. They get, they get recorded, they get posted. You, you know, it's not a, there's not the same attention that goes to a podcast um, as like a conference call or some kind of announcement I'll on to, a certain I'll day. I'll talk to Joe, Joe Zavis and we'll do a, a conference call and I'll go, holy shit, we got 150 people listening. We better say something important. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And actually the guy I'm thinking about who does this is a guy named Lou Kerner and Lou is like the. A uh, pretty widely read writer on uh, cryptocurrency on Medium, but I think what Lou does, I'm, I don't think I've imagined this, but I think yeah, he'll have a if there's something that's important that's developing, he'll you know have a conference call and he'll invite a couple experts to come on the on the conference call and talk about this development, and it creates a sense of urgency. It's interesting. But anyway, like you were going in a different direction. Again. Oh well, I, before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about um, selling to law firms because I've 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 known multiple startups. Uh, over the years that have tried to build products for law firms, uh, usually some kind of efficiency saving software. And um, it's it's always been an a incredibly uh, difficult uh, challenge to try to get law firms to buy anything. I'm curious to know what your experience was with that. It, it, maybe it helps that your product is more uh, on the promotional side. So maybe you're dealing with people that have that are not worried about the software eating into their billable hours or I don't know. I'm curious to know what your experience is. And if you have any advice for people in startups that are trying to make legal tools on how to, how to get to the decision makers at a company like, like a law firm where, where decisions are often made by committee and it's hard to get them to buy anything. Like what was your, what have you learned over the years and what can, what can people take from that? It's a relationship driven business. And so you have to begin with that premise that the, you know, the best lawyers are getting the work by virtue of their reputation and, and relationships they have with people. 
Um, so that's what comes natural. And those tend to be probably the influencers in that, in that law firm. So <clears throat> to come in, you know, the front door, you know, with sales and say, okay, we'd like to get in front of you from a demo or that type of thing. You know, you're, you, you might even be getting the people that aren't even thinking about relationships, maybe less influential in, in the firm. It's not difficult, though, to build, you know, let's get far away from the marketing side, you know, where I may have come in the, the, the door. But mine was all relationship. I mean, I, <clears throat> I had some people contact me and I didn't know who they were. They turned out to be chief marketing officers. And I had to look up, you know, what what association they were in. So I found out that that was the Legal Marketing Association. OK, <clears throat> I've got a blog um, about the Legal Marketing Association to say, say great things about them. And so when I said great things about them, they invited me to speak at their conferences. And now I'm in front of hundreds of people, you know, being introduced to somebody that knows something that develops trust. You get people come up to you afterwards. So my goal isn't to go out <clears throat> and knock on doors. My goal is to have them contact uh, me. I, I will, you know, when I'm in New York City, you know, and I used to do this up until about three or four years ago, New York, Toronto, Boston, Chicago, I would write the largest firms. I would email the managing partner and the chief marketing officer and say that, you know, I'm in uh, Toronto uh, to speak at this event. I would feel remiss if I didn't reach out to you and let you pick my brain as it related to blogging and social media while I'm in town. <clears throat> and I would say three quarters said, yeah, come on in and uh, uh, picked up good clients that 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 way. So I think you want to be thinking about relationships. But if you go to a company like uh, Clio, which uh, is a uh, practice management solution, not marketing. <clears throat> Jack Newton, who's our CEO, I met him the first time when he came out and identified, you know, good people to get to know, influencers, if you will, at a legal tech show in New York. And I don't remember if he even had a company at that point in time. You know, he may have had it in his dreams and may have had an idea, but he came out and just first time we met was in Starbucks. We just hung out. Um, next time we met was uh, in Montreal later that year. You know, he says, you know, come on into the Air Canada Lounge. I'll buy you a beer before your flight to Seattle, you know, and I'm headed to Vancouver. Um, <clears throat> that type of thing, because what you're doing is you're just, you're not looking for everybody. You're looking to grow and get some referential uh, clients. So if you're going into the law, um, think about how you build relationships. And if the internet is a relation, uh, relationships and reputation, if the internet is a relationships and reputation accelerator, if, if that can shoot me to the moon, then I want to put fuel in that versus something that's going, you know, at roller skate speed. So, you know, the traditional thing of hiring salespeople, having them knock on doors, doing webinars, you know, you know, it's like gag me. How boring could it be versus, you know, if, if I want to go after a particular firm, then, I mean, this it's relatively simple when you think about it. Why wouldn't I create a Twitter list of the uh, principals at that firm and including that firm name? And I'd go right down the list of the top 50 firms that I want to be working with. And I begin to use Twitter to share things. So I at least have a reputation on Twitter. And now I start to give love to that organization. So imagine you're sitting there and you're in a tech company in uh, Seattle <clears throat> and uh, you'd really like to be working with this firm that's based in London. And you're the only company in the world that has retweeted something that the uh, managing partner, executive chair uh, had to say that they were proud of at their firm. They, they will reach out and thank you. And they might even connect with you on LinkedIn. Now you got your foot in the door. Now, if you're selling something for, you know, $5 a month, <clears throat> that, that's going to be tough to scale. But if you're selling something, you know, that, that companies are making a fair amount of, that's that's different. It was just last night, um, 
somebody I have a lot of respect for that's been in uh, business development, chief marketing officers at some major firms now on on his own <clears throat> um, as he's older. You know, he he repeated, he you know, it was all relationships, all reputation. He goes, it's so hard getting people to slow down and understand that even from his side going out. <clears throat> but, you know, I asked him how busy he was and he said, well, it's all re- regulations and reputation. I'm plenty busy, as busy as I want to be. Um, so that that's important for people selling into law firms. I, I would challenge that. I think it's the same thing for selling, you know, any, anywhere, um, you know, unless your product is a, you know, it'd be different, you know, Mike, <clears throat> I mean, you have great experience and been real successful with apps where it becomes a volume and viral thing, um, you know, at, at a low cost where you're not going out and building relationships um, with large organizations. But, you know, if you got a product that you're going to be selling for $200 a month, $1,000 a month, you know, $10,000 a month, you, you're going to have to go out and build trust and relationships. And when you get inside law firms, they don't kick you out. So if you've got something that's worthwhile, <clears throat> they don't want to stop using you. you you've helped them um, do a better job. Um, yeah. So really quickly, we're kind of running down to the end of the show. So um, what, what do you think about this idea? I think, I, think, what do you, I think this is kind of a crazy idea, but this idea of lawyers hiring other people to write stuff for them. Uh, to me, I mean, <laughs> to me, I mean, to me, the thing about the writing is it's got to be you. If it's not you, if you're not showing the world, hey, this is who I am. This is, you know, you got to be an authentic human being. I can't believe a, hiring a robot to write things for you is going to have it's going to be it's going to be helpful. I, I don't know what you think about that. I, you know, one, it's unethical because uh, when it can be construed that when you're out writing, that's a form of marketing. Even though I'm not sure it's the same as advertising. Yeah. If you do anything that's misleading in your in your marketing, that's unethical. It's and most people expect when they see a byline that that person that has on the byline wrote it. Yeah. Um, um, but you have a whole lot of people that are writing content for lawyers that are sell- that are selling it for five ten thousand dollars a month. So think about that. And then they write. So they go out and write articles about how it's so smart for lawyers to, to not write their content. In fact, one <laughs> one person said it was unethical for a lawyer to write their own content. And I'm thinking, okay, tell me about that one. And, and that was that you'll be distracted from doing your your client's work. <laughs> I'm serious. And so we go out to conferences and it, I have to be careful not to just go, it's, you know, you're dumb as a clock, you know, are you an idiot? Uh, for fear that I'm going to step on somebody's toes, right. but you have major companies. You, you've got West publishing. Think of West publishing, the traditional, you know, legal publisher that for all practical purposes owns the law in the United States through copywriting pages. <clears throat> They're selling content through one of their arms to lawyers and they just slap it on a page and they tell the lawyer, I mean, you, you understand this stuff, Joe, as a, just common sense, but <clears throat> you probably got lawyers in this firm that, that wouldn't know what you know, putting stuff on the internet is like, and somebody comes in and says, uh, do you have a lot of extra time to write on the internet? Oh, I don't have any time. Oh, we only, we have this, we have this package. And if you buy this package, uh, we'll rotate the contents or, oh my God, that's great. Um, somehow they think that's legit. It, it's a travesty. Uh, it's a travesty. And, uh, those people that are serving the profession and that want to sell into the profession, they should be embarrassed that they're doing it, but they're not. And uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> lawyers are very lazy, as, you know, even though they they don't want to do more than the minimum they have to do. Um, and they uh, aren't willing to challenge themselves to improve their station in life. I mean, you go out, you've created, <clears throat> you know, a startup publication. You've influenced legislation in the state of Washington. It's pretty powerful. Um, you couldn't have had somebody 
create content for you and say, well, I really want to be down at the state house in Washington, <laughs> you know, talk, talking to people. I want to be hanging out at networking events, being invited over. It, it, it couldn't happen. So it's, you know, it, it's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, the embarrassing thing for our profession is that it doesn't go on in every profession that you have this type of thing. Um, uh, so I think it needs to be disclosed if, if you're doing it, that it's on behalf of which West is now doing. And, uh, uh, but it, it, you know, it's unfortunate, I guess, uh, I thought when the internet hit, you know, 20 some years ago when I was practicing lawyer, that this was the greatest thing for lawyers, for right. the for real lawyers, the lawyers that were good lawyers, the lawyers that committed themselves to the practice, willing to give back to people by, you know, sharing, you know, writing, whatnot. What could, how could you screw that up? Right. <laughs> I mean, look at this. <clears throat> you know, then websites come along and it's all about, you know, themselves as opposed to sharing valuable information. And then when the, then when the printing press basically came alive with blogging, you know, uh, lawyers started to do well that we're doing it. And then companies started to realize, well, maybe we can sell content to lawyers. So now it gets screwed up again. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate. I guess there's always going to be people in life that are trying to take a shortcut and that's not, doesn't always get you the farthest. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, fun stuff. Well, right. so for those out there in the world, if you, if you really want to, you want to talk to somebody who's really spent a lot of time thinking about, thinking about this, uh, Kevin's been mm -hmm. thinking hard and working hard in this space for, some time and he has okay. a really great uh a really great set of insights on how to how to think about it and if you want to if you want to get him i think you can get him at kevin at lexblog.com yep kevin at lexblog.com and uh lexblog.com is the company and uh kevin i super appreciate you being on the show mike do you have any further thoughts no this has been great thanks for being on the show and thanks, uh, mike. thanks yeah and we'll have to have you back sometime and uh, follow up but uh thanks everyone else for listening we'll see you all next week